0: And I appreciate that good song. I love, I love this time of the year. I love the Christmas music and uh, just the atmosphere in churches and even in the world. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a wonderful time of the year. And as we get into the Christmas season, I want to preach this morning on the birth of Christ. Of course, you and I know I'm, I'm totally preaching to the choir. Jesus is the reason for the season. And you and I know that. We understand that. Uh, if you're not careful, you know, you'll go through, and, and you'll hear more and more. You'll hear the world say things like um, happy holidays, season's greetings, you know, the wish, well wishes, things like that, and I'm, I'm not against that, but Christian, let me challenge you to still say Merry Christmas. That's, that's what it's about, and, uh, I, but I love it. I love the songs. I love the decorations. Um, day after Thanksgiving right? The day after Thanksgiving, not a moment earlier, uh, the songs start to play, the, the decorations go up. How many of you cheat on that and you play Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. Look at that. Can't get enough of it, huh? But how about the Christmas decorations? They, they after Thanksgiving, right? After Thanksgiving, one of the best things I ever did in my life. I was, uh, I was one of those guys, when Minda and I first got married, I was, I was hardcore, Real Christmas tree. We have to have a real Christmas tree, no matter what the cost. You know, we we have to have one. I wanted that. Uh, I wanted. I just wanted the real tree, and um, I hated everything about it. <laughs> Chopping it down, eventually just going to Lowe's and <laughs> grabbing a real tree. You know, and uh, trying to get it to line up. And I can remember a few years ago. We were, we were just busy, and there were some basketball games being played, and I think one of us had gotten sick that week, so we couldn't get the tree. and I just uh, grabbed my son, and we went to Home Depot or somewhere. And we got a fake tree, pre-lit. and uh, maybe, outside of salvation, the best decision that I have ever made. Pre-lit, fake tree. Now I'm chopping at the bit the day after Thanksgiving. You know, Mindy, want me to put the tree up? Sure, and it's up in ten minutes, and then I disappear while they put everything else up in the house. But, uh, but I love it. I love the time off, and the parties, the get-togethers. Some of us will travel, and for 13 years I traveled from West Virginia here to see our parents, and we enjoyed the the travel at Christmas time, and of course the gifts and the presents that. That, uh, or underneath the tree, or however it is that your family does it. I, I love everything about Christmas. But we need to remember that before all of those things, there was the birth of a baby boy. Before all of those things, all of the traditions and all of the 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 parties, and the travel, and the gifts, and the the songs, and the decorations, and before all of those things were in place, uh, there was a child that miraculously came into this world, and that is what Christmas is all about. And this morning, I am interested in the phrase that we see in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18. And if you'd look at it, I'd appreciate it. The Bible says... Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And I'm interested in that phrase. It's not language that we would use today. We don't go around today talking like that. It literally means, here's what it means. When it says the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, it literally means... Here are the straight facts. Here's how it went down. Here's the story. You see, this birth would be so important. It would be so uh, significant in human history. It would be celebrated uh, for the rest of time. God didn't want to leave anything to the imagination. He didn't want to leave anything open for debate. Uh, Your opinions about this don't really matter because God gave us the facts. He gave us the the truth. He said to Matthew, after 400 years of silence, he said to Matthew, get your pen out and write it down this way. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And you and I know exactly how it happened. We can open up the word of God and we can see exactly what took place when Jesus was born. When it comes to a lot of people's uh, story, sometimes there's a little bit left uh, that's lost in history. I can remember in West Virginia, uh, we would visit the hospitals every Monday. And on occasion, it didn't happen often, but on occasion, uh, we would find an older person that was born uh, in Appalachia. And maybe they didn't have records, they, they didn't have a birth certificate, or their birth certificate wasn't exactly accurate, and uh, that, that happened, I can remember that happening a time or two uh, to me in West Virginia, and, uh, and, and, and that happens. History sometimes loses uh, the, the, exactly what happened, but when it comes to Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Here are the straight facts. The straight facts. I can remember watching a couple of guys debate, a couple of teenagers. And uh, they were, deba- I, don't, I don't even remember what the debate was now. You know, you get teenagers together and they want to argue about things. And, and I honestly don't even remember what it was about. But they were going back and forth debating at two guys and there was a, a, a third guy. And every time his friend would say something, he would just go, straight facts. Straight facts. Straight facts. And uh, that was like the little thing. And, and uh, hey, this is true. Well, the birth of Jesus was on this wise, straight facts. I want you to turn to Malachi chapter number 4, a few pages over, the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi would be the last prophet that would preach to the nation of Israel. This is the closing words of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter number 4, if you wouldn't, verse number 5. The Bible says, behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. I've always found it interesting, teaching Old Testament and New Testament uh, at Hiles Anderson, I've always found it interesting that the last word of the Old Testament is the word Curse. The last thing that is said, we know that in between uh, Malachi and Matthew, there are 400 silent years. Could you imagine that? 400 years where God is not speaking, 400 years where there's no prophet, there's nothing being written down. God is so upset with his people. uh, They've turned their back on him. They're following idols. And so God just kind of goes silent. And for 400 years, they're kind of left with that final word, curse. Man, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to go one day without the voice of God in my heart and in my life. Uh, Could you imagine 400 years, long years of silence? Could you imagine the darkness in the world as God has gone silent? And now uh, we know that Israel is into full-blown idolatry. And when God finally chooses to speak again when he finally tells Matthew to get out his pen and he inspires him to write these words down we know that that the very initial phrases are the straight facts of what god wanted his people to know. By the way, we're living today in a discouraging world, a, a downtrodden world, a distressful world, a disappointing world. But I'm glad that, that as a Christian, uh, I don't have to look to the economy. I don't have to uh, look to get a good sale. I certainly don't have to look to the news uh, to get some good news. Uh, I have the straight facts from the Bible. Several thousand years ago, somebody that can make a difference in everybody's life was born in a major. Uh, God didn't leave that story undone or lacking detail. We can rejoice in the birth of Christ with certainty because the Bible tells us that his birth was on this wise. And so I want to give you four truths this morning about the birth of Jesus Christ. Four things that I want to point out, straight facts, no opinion, no conjecture, no debate, If you believe the Bible, you'll agree with me that these things are true. Number one, I want to point out, when it comes to the birth of Christ, I want to point out the prophecies. The prophecies. Everything about the Christmas story is prophetic. Everything is sovereign. Sovereign means that God is ruling and when, when God finally chose to speak again, he chose a time. Galatians 4, four says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. God chose a time. God chose a town. Bethlehem. Listen to Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. 700 years before uh, uh, Jesus would be born, the Bible says, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting. Uh, Micah prophesied hundreds of years before the birth of Christ that not only would one be born who would have no beginning and have no end, but he even pinpointed the town, that little town of Bethlehem. Everything about the birth of Christ was prophetic. He chose the time, he chose the town, he even chose his parents. Isaiah chapter 7 verse number 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. You hear in Matthew chapter number 1, you look at verse number 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. God chose a time. God chose a town. God chose a set of parents. And it was all prophesied. It was all prophetic. Straight facts. Lots of stories can be told about miraculous births and and unusual circumstances maybe where somebody was born into the world and the Romans have their stories and the Greeks have their stories. But as Christians, we have a prophecy, many prophecies uh, for Jesus Christ, straight facts. Number two, not only the prophecy, but I want you to see in Matthew chapter number one, the pedigree. This might be my favorite part of the message. Where did he come from? Look at the very first verse. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. His pedigree. We see the prophecies, but I want you to notice the pedigree. We see the genealogies there. All the names, the, the, the line that Christ came from. His pedigree, he's speaking to uh, the Jewish people primarily in the book of Matthew, and, and so the pedigree would be important. Matthew opens up with a genealogy. You see, this man Jesus had been talked about. He had been prophesied about. He, all the Old Testament, the the, the the sacrifices and the traditions, all of it pointing to Jesus. And so when Matthew bursts onto the scene, uh, if he was to be the Messiah, there had to be a pedigree that lined up with the prophecy. Because if the pedigree and the prophecy lined up, then you would have an authenticity for the man. And that's exactly what we see here in Matthew chapter number one. We know his pedigree would prove he wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a celebrity. He wasn't just one of many. He wasn't just a flash in the pan. No, my friends, Jesus Christ, uh, the the prophecy and the pedigree line up. There's an authenticity uh, to this man. In his pedigree, I see royalty. Look at verse number one. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. The son of David. You see the royalty there. David would be the great king of Israel. He'd have a covenant, a promise given to him from God that his kingdom would never cease. It would would endure forever forever. The divinic covenant, while David would live and die, uh, his throne would be established forever. And in the very first verse, we see uh, Jesus Christ, the son of David. There's royalty in his pedigree. So when the Bible calls him the king of kings and the lord of lords, those aren't just flowery words. That's a, that's straight fact. From David came Jesus. There's royalty. Number two, and not only do I see royalty, I see race. Well, the Bible says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So after 400 years of silence, God begins to speak to his people again. And in the very first verse, we see royalty in David. We see race in Abraham. Abraham had also been given a covenant in Genesis chapter number 12, a promise that in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. The Abrahamic covenant, we call it. That through the the seed of Abraham, the Messiah would come. And so here we see in his pedigree, we see royalty, we see In that one verse, he is connected to the royal line of David and the covenant given to Abraham. Church, Jesus Christ, is the fulfillment. Man, I love that word. He is the fulfillment. Matthew chapter number, or in in the book of Matthew, the phrase is found 12 times that it might be fulfilled. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, we read, The time is fulfilled. In Luke chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus himself would say, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In John chapter 1, Andrew would say to Peter, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. In verse 45, Philip would say to Nathanael, uh, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did right, Jesus of Nazareth. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. Hey, don't let this world tell you that he's just one of many. Don't let them put Jesus on an equal plane with some other tradition or some other teacher. He's far more than that. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, the straight facts. He's got a pedigree that ties him to royalty. He's got a pedigree that ties him to Abraham. And I also see this in the pedigree. I see royalty, I see race, and I see redemption. I see redemption right there in chapter number one. We see his royalty, his race, and we see redemption. You read through those names. I should have Brother Jack come and read through those names. (laughs) He just said the family of Jesus. No, but uh, you read through those names. You'll see brothers mentioned that were not the firstborn. You'll see women mentioned in his genealogy. By the way, that, that in and of itself was unusual. To have women mentioned in the genealogy, that that was unusual. Normally it was the son of, the son of, they would name the father. But here in Christ's genealogy, we see women mentioned. But not just women, we see certain women, names like Tamar, Bathsheba, Rahab, Ruth, Mary. You, You know, after 400 years of silence, when the savior of mankind is introduced to the world, when we've established the fact that he's royal, that he's of the proper lineage of Abraham, immediately we start to see stories of redemption. I mean, immediately before we even get into to the straight facts of how he was born, we hear these ladies' names, Tamar and Bathsheba, had committed adultery. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a Moabitess, a Gentile, from a group of people that God had literally cursed. Mary was a virtuous woman. Here's what we see as we look at the genealogy of Christ. And man, hey, I'm about to jump like Brother Quotzo jumped. I'm getting excited. When we see the genealogy of Christ, he didn't just come for good people. He came for all people. He didn't just come for pure people. He came for impure people. He didn't just come for those on the good side of the tracks. He came for those on the bad side of the tracks. He didn't just come for the Jews. He came for all people. He came for the underdogs, the second-born sons. He came for the inferior. Man, right there, the story of redemption is tied to Jesus Christ. Amen. I love those underdog stories, you know. They do something for me. And uh, I knew that men and I were doing a good job raising our daughter. I never knew how to raise a daughter, you know. And uh, she was our firstborn. And so how do you raise a daughter? I don't know. So we, we got the Rocky Balboa movies, you know, <laughs> and uh, Rocky, Angel, cleaned it up, don't, don't judge me, all right, we put it through the multiple filters, the movie was only 11 minutes long, but <laughs> I-, I knew I was doing something right as a father, we're sitting there and we're watching the Rocky 2, I think, I'm pretty sure, I'm positive, it's Rocky 2, Adrian's in a coma, you know what I'm talking about, right, Brother Harris? You've never seen Rocky? Man, brother, all right, you need a day off now. But uh, Adrian's in the coma, and Rocky's there at her bedside, you know. And, uh, and he's been there night after night after night, and she's not breathing. Or she's breathing, she's not moving. She's not, she's not responsive. And here he's supposed to train for the uh, rematch, the heavyweight. I know too much about this movie, but uh, he's supposed to train for the rematch, and he's not training. He's there. At his wife's side, and then all of a sudden they start to play that music, you know, like our orchestra starts to play, da and you see Adrian start to wiggle a little bit, and she opens up her eyes, and she looks at Rocky, and she says, win, Rocky, win, and man, I was crying, <laughs> and I looked over at Alana, she was just a little girl, and I looked over at Alana, and she had a tear coming down her face. And I thought, man, I've done a good job, and uh, I'm a success. (laughs) Hey, we love those underdog stories. We love the story of the people who shouldn't have made it who had the reasons, who who, who? maybe they felt like they were cursed, who never should have been in the position in the first place, and and somehow they fight through and they struggle through and they make something out of themselves. Hey, the story of Christ is on this wise. He came for the underdog. You don't have to fight. He fought. You don't have to struggle. He struggled. And man, his story can bring hope for you. This morning, we can rejoice in his pedigree. In his pedigree, we see that he didn't just come for somebody, came for everybody. All of those names there, and all of their stories, and all of their checkered past, uh, Christ is tied through redemption to every single one of them. You might be sitting here this morning wondering if Jesus could do anything for you. I remember that. I wasn't raised in this thing. I was able to preach on Friday to a group of teenagers in central Indiana. And, uh, and as I often do, I asked them, how many of you are raised in a good Christian home and, and uh, not perfect, but you have parents that love the Lord and bring you to church? And, and uh, maybe you go to a Christian school. And I asked that crowd, that probably had 200 teenagers there. And I said, how many of you, that's your story. Most of them raised their hand. Normally it is that way, but it wasn't that way for me. I wasn't raised in church, and you know that. Now, you talk about pedigree. Talk about pedigree. You can't look in my family's past and see Jesus and salvation, and it's not there. There is no pedigree there. I can remember as a southsider driving down the road, and just as a little boy, we'd pass church after church after church after church. And I would look in those buildings. Some would be Baptist, some would be Catholic. I didn't know the difference between any of them. Methodist didn't matter to me. I would just look at the church building. I would see a little building. I'd see the cross. And, and I would have thoughts like I wonder, wonder what goes on in there. Wonder what they talk about inside of that building. I remember feeling in my heart, I, I wonder what it would be like to walk inside. But I thought that, you know, I thought I couldn't go inside. I don't know what I was thinking. I thought that you had to be invited, or maybe you had to be a member, or they were going to check a badge or scan something. I, I thought, you know, you can't just walk inside of a church. And by the way, what church would want a kid on the wrong side of town? What church would want a kid whose mom and dad are separated? And what church would want a kid that has never even held the Bible, can't even, you know, tell you any of the Bible stories. I knew I wouldn't fit, and I knew I wouldn't belong. I, I understood that. And I don't know if there's churches that wouldn't want a kid like that, but let me tell you something. There is there is a Savior that wants a person like that. There is a Savior who's tied to redemption. As we were passing out the Christmas invitations yesterday, I was, I normally pass them out, but this year I was holding up the, the sign that said First Baptist Church in front of the The parade float there. But I was watching our teenagers. I was watching the young men, the young ladies. I was watching my own son go through and just everybody on the road on Indianapolis giving them an invitation. And and, uh, and my heart was so stirred. I saw children reach out and take an invitation. I thought Jesus died for those children. I saw families together receive an invitation. And I thought Jesus came, He was born for those families. I saw black people and white people and Asian people and Spanish people reach out and take an invitation to church. And I thought, man, Jesus came for every race of people. What a great God. I see the prophecies, straight facts. Can't deny it. I see the pedigree right there. Matthew chapter number one. I also see the phenomenon, verse number 18, we don't have time for it. Somebody told me right before I got up here, somebody said, keep it short, get support. And so, (laughs) look at verse number 18, the Bible says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother, Mary was espoused to Joseph, espousal was uh, basically in that day, it was officially marriage. We could liken it to engagement here, but it was even stronger than engagement. When a man and a woman were espoused together in this day, they were, they were officially married. Married. The, the marriage, had not, they had not yet come together. That would be reserved for, for the wedding day, but as far as the law was concerned, they were already married. The Bible says when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together... She was found with child of the Holy Ghost, the phenomenon, the incarnation. Incarnation, meaning simply that the Son of God took on flesh, was born into this world, that deity and all that is God collided with humanity, all that is man, and it was a miraculous thing. Mary, you're going to have to understand something. Joseph, you're going to have to understand something. Uh, this is unusual. This has never happened before, and it's never going to happen again. But in this case, for this baby, for this time, the Holy Ghost of God is going to superintend the birth of the Son of God. She wasn't even married to Joseph yet. She, they hadn't even come together yet. But there would be a baby inside of her that could only be produced by the Holy Ghost, the Incarnation. It's impossible, it's miraculous, it was prophesied, and God said in the first chapter of the, Old, of the New Testament, let's make sure that you know it's straight facts, the whole story, that's exactly how it happened. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, the phenomenon, the virgin birth, the pedigree, and the prophecy, and the last thing I wanna say is this. In Matthew chapter number one, I see the person of Christ, the person of Christ. He's given three names that I could find in Matthew chapter number one. He's given the name Jesus. That name simply means Savior. That's what it means. If you're here today and you're lost, there's nobody like Jesus. If you're here today and you're empty, if you're here today and you're, need, you're in need of salvation, Hey, let me give you the straight facts. You can look for fulfillment. You can look for salvation in a number of things, but you'll only find salvation in one person, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Neither is salvation given uh, only by one name is it given, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. I see the name Christ. He's the Messiah. Jesus, he's the Savior. Christ, he's the Messiah. And that word means the deliverer, the one anointed to deliver. So if you're here this morning and you need to be rescued, saved or lost, if you're here this morning and you feel like you're in bondage, there is a deliverer, Jesus Christ. And then I see in verse number 23, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The three names given to Jesus in Matthew chapter number one, Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. God with us. What a great name. What a great thing to know that when Jesus Christ was born, God came to live with us. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Are you living like God is with you? Hey, those of you that came into the room and, and maybe you're lost, maybe you've never been saved, or you've never been born again, don't you want to know that God is with you? Don't crowd him out at Christmas. I almost preached a message, and I'm not going to preach it now, my time's up, but I almost preached a message this morning that I had brought to our young people a couple of years ago on that little story there where... where uh, Mary and Joseph came to the inn. Do you remember that? They came to the inn and they're hoping for a room. The Bible says that Mary was great with child. And I was going to bring a pregnant couple up here and I was texting people. I was texting my wife and some others, you know, who do we know great with child? And uh, one of the ladies I was texting said, they gave a name and said, but I don't think we'd want to make her a public example, you know. (laughs) So I chose to not preach that message. (laughs) That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Here they are, great with child. And, uh, but the thought was this. They came to that inn. There was no room in the inn. You remember that? The thought was, who does that? Like, who refuses a, a pregnant lady? Could you imagine showing up to a, to a hotel or Whatever. My wife and I, when we got married, we, we took a, like a two-week uh, honeymoon. It was basically a road trip over 20 years ago. We went to New York City and back and, and just for two weeks did all those types of things. And on the way home, we had spent the last day at Hershey Park in Pennsylvania. And on the way home, we were, uh, we were driving back and we were just going to stop somewhere. Just stop somewhere along the way in that, that last night, get some sleep. It had been a long day. So we stopped somewhere in Ohio and... Uh, Holiday Inn, and, and went to get a room, and they said, no, nah, we're, we're full. I said, oh, no problem. And you know how guys, when you're first married, you know, you've got the answers to everything, and everything is, oh, no problem, we'll, we'll be fine. Went a few exits down the road, and stopped, and went to a, a hotel, and, and asked for a room, no, nah, we're, we're full. And I said, okay. And now you're starting to look like you didn't plan, and you didn't prepare, you didn't make a reservation, because I didn't plan, or prepare, or make a reservation, <laughs> And uh, we we're just gonna live on love. But, but uh, we were tired, man. We had been busy all day and, and driving back, and man, we stopped. I Minda, mean, this is the truth. We, we stopped Ohio, places in Indiana, all along whatever it was. I think it was I 80. We, we stopped all along the route and multiple times till finally somebody said, My friend, you're not gonna find a room. There is a race, there's a big race going on. And, rooms are booked for a long time and you're not going to find a room. And I can remember getting in the car and just say, well, we'll make it home. You know, and we, we drove home and just up for over 24 hours and just tired and listen to all kinds of things on the radio, you know, and you remember that? Well, I'm not even going to say, but and we were listening to all kinds of things. And remember that show that used to be on some of you guys that drive a truck coast to coast, used to be on coast to coast. They have all the alien stuff. And we were listening to that. And, and uh, it was, it was a great time. My wife was probably thinking, what have I done? And uh, you know what? It was easy to look at me and to refuse a room In Bethlehem, to go to that inn, to, to see Mary and Joseph, and she's great with child, and to know there's not an exit down the road to get another group of hotels, or just another exit, and there's, there's a Holiday Inn, or a Hampton, or whatever, to know this was probably, this was, this, you would think that innkeeper would have given up his room. You would think that innkeeper would have found a room. You would have thought that innkeeper could have uh, combined a room to put this lady in, but, but it was too crowded. Let me tell you what I see on this wise. Emmanuel, God with us. But many of us, we've crowded him out. We've crowded him out. We've allowed the songs and the decorations and the presents and the travel and the time off. We've allowed all of these things to crowd out Jesus. Are you living like God is with you? What would change if Jesus went home in your vehicle? What, what, what would change? Remember growing in the Lord and giving some of my music, you know, at that, those days it wasn't in the cloud. You had tapes and CDs and we'd give it to the youth pastor and he would actually give me Brother Hiles tape. So that's the way that, that, that all started. He would give me Brother Hiles tapes. I'd give him a tape of music. He'd give me a Brother Hiles sermon. I'd listen to it and, and uh, it was good. It was real good. Just as good as that rock music I was listening to, but uh, just kidding. He would do that. And I, I can remember arguing with my youth pastor over songs, I'd say, what about this song? Like, I know the group is bad, but what about this song? And he'd say, no, that song's bad too. Christians shouldn't listen to that. And I'd say, why not? And he'd say, he'd give the reasons why. I'd say, okay, now here's the song. And then I'd bring him another song. What about this song? Remember, he used to have the singles. You remember that? i say, what about this song? Oh, that song's bad too. Ah, <sighs> how do I know? And he finally said this. He said, Abdel, would you listen to that song if pastor were in the car with you? Uh, uh-uh. Can you imagine if Pastor Wilkerson were in your vehicle? Man, the radio wouldn't come on. TV would get thrown away. <laughs> no, but, uh, our, our vocabulary would be limited. <laughs> but, uh, would you do it if, if Pastor were in the vehicle? No. That kind of became my measuring stick, you know. But I listened to it if Pastor were in the vehicle. A little picture of Pastor hung him on the rearview mirror, you know. God with us. God with us. Emmanuel, straight facts. Would you have the conversation if the Lord was there? Would you send that text if the Lord was there? Would you you listen to the song if the Lord was there? Friends, I'm done, but what would change if Jesus came home with us today? Because he does. We see it in the very first chapter, God with us. Straight facts, I see the prophecies, the pedigree, I see the person of Christ. I see the phenomenon of the virgin birth. It's not up for debate. and It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It is the on this wise of the Bible. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes?